Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me for a little Rockets chatter is Cooper Klein, host of the NBA Draft podcast, Upside Swings, and contributor to Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube. Always great to catch up with you, Cooper. And what a start to the Rockets season it has been. The first question right off the bat is, Lots of ways to go with this, but what shocked you most about the Rockets' first six, first six games? Well, I'll be I'll be a little bit basic, and I'll just go Dylan Brooks with everything. He was always sold as like, well, worst case scenario, you know, he's an elite defender, you know, that's worth twenty million a year. <laughs> but his offense has been like nearly all star worthy so far through six games, obviously small sample size, but his process has just looked so much better on the offensive end. You know, he's playing great connected basketball. He's playing in the rhythm, moving the ball. He's driving a lot more, not settling for long contested twos. It seems like he's playing a lot more for each matchup, like against the Kings the last two nights, he has been killing guys in the post. You know, the second they get him switched onto somebody who's like six, three or, or a little bit weaker, he takes him right down into the post gets a nice, easy, you know, finish in there. Uh, his finishing has been great. He's been running out in transition, just has completely revamped his shot chart uh, in a way that I didn't think possible. And he, even like just the jumper just looks so much better. He was working with one of the assistant coaches. I think the top assistant coach for team Canada, uh, the name, his name's escaping me, but over the summer and that's, they were really working on the trajectory of his jumper. It's it's looking like it's paid dividends already. You you cannot complain about anything that Dylan Brooks has done for this team. And the way he was talked about this summer, like I wouldn't sign Dylan Brooks for the minimum. I don't want what team wants Dylan Brooks. It's like obviously it, I, I didn't even think it was that extreme. He's obviously a rotation player. He's shown it year in, year out. One bad playoff run doesn't invalidate that. Um, but he has exceeded any sane person's expectations coming in, into this year, uh, even on the defensive end, right? He is one of the most insane defenders I've ever seen with my my two eyes. He's incredible on ball. He can screen navigate really well, despite being, you know, a, a bigger guy, really bulky. And his effort just never wanes. He is, anytime Jalen or Jabari or even Fred get screened out of a play or they make a little mistake, he's hustling to cover that up. He's getting into passing lanes. He's bothering guys around the rim. His digs and play around the nail, exceptional. Like everything you could ask of a wing defender, he does at an elite or borderline elite level. I didn't realize the impact that that would have on this team. Uh, I'm kind of a fool for that on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, he's just proved everyone wrong. And uh, if he can even be, you know, 70% of this the rest of the year, he's that deals a steal so I I I think Dylan Brooks would be my big one the other part about Dylan Brooks is shot selection we heard about how bad it was in Memphis and I made the point after they made that signing I don't know if anybody heard me make the point but I said look this is not anybody that's going to be coaching him it's Udoka and he put the guys with the Celtics in really good spots and and that's really my biggest surprise. But before I mention all of that, as we record Tuesday afternoon, the Rockets hit number 13 in defensive rating, Cooper, number seven in fewest points per game in the paint, number four in assist to turnovers, number eight in assist percentage. 
They've had 28 or more assists in four of six games. They did it only 10 of 82 times last year. Their rebounding uh, numbers, they're not great, but that could start changing with Tari back on Wednesday. I mean, I guess that's kind of their weak point. But biggest shocker for me is how Uduka, you know, he's put these guys in the right spot on offense and not just Dylan Brooks, but everybody, because we already knew about Udoka's defensive chops. And it's just surprising what he's been able to do offensively in a short amount of time. The best example is three-point percentage. Look at the numbers. And I'm going to throw up a slide. If you're listening to this, go on YouTube, check it out. But I'll throw that up so people can see it a little bit. If you told me it looked like this six games, just six games into the Odoka experience, it's just uh, miraculous. The numbers are, and I think it, some of them are covered up, but just to give you an example, Dylan Brooks, 56.5%. Jay Sean Tate, 53.8%. Jabari, 38.2%. Jalen, 37%. There are seven Rockets shooting over 37%. And Cooper, that happens because of excellent shot quality and precise spacing. Those are the two main reasons. Yeah, the ball movement has been such a big point of emphasis on offense. Even like Jalen is moving the ball a lot more. Uh, when he's getting doubled, he's making the right pass out of that. When he's, you know, walled up on drives, he makes better kickouts. Uh, you know, his passes have looked a lot better this year. Uh, Fred makes the extra pass every time. Dylan Brooks makes the extra pass every time. Shangun's passing, his like quick reaction time, or his quick reaction, like speed passing has gotten a lot better. One of my big problems with Shengun early in his career is that it, he always grabbed the ball and took forever to survey the floor. And he has gotten so much better at just taking the ball, making a quick read, not clogging up the offense, making sure that the ball keeps hopping, keeps moving. And I think that's a big part of why the offense has just steadily gotten better and better as the years gone on, you know, or the, the last two weeks. Uh, it's because everybody is committed to getting better and improving from their mistakes. And there's real veteran leadership holding these guys accountable. And it's, it's, it's been a real joy to watch. Yeah. What, what, what's happened with Jay Sean Tate? I don't know who's worked with him, if that's just been the rocket staff, but you talked about Dylan Brooks and shot form Jay Sean Tate. We've been waiting for this. And these are two guys that you just don't expect in their late twenties to all of a sudden figure it out. And just to put emphasis on what you said about, Dylan Brooks, NBA uh, personal coach. He does a lot of personal coaching. David Thorpe said on his True Hoop show that he sees a different, definite difference in uh, Dylan's form and what he's seeing right there. And, you know, that's the thing. It's not one guy. You know, this it all seems to be working in unison with a bunch of different guys and a bunch of different stuff that's going on. I mean, you can't get much argument as to what they're doing shooting-wise and it, it it feels like, well, maybe it's not sustainable, some of these numbers, but, you know, it, it's definitely sustainable getting these kind of quality shots. Yeah, and even with, like, the, these guys are maybe, you know, shooting outlier, like, once you get up over 40. But if you can get about league average or just above league average shooting out of this many guys who weren't <laughs> league average shooters before, uh, we're going to continue to at least be competitive in these games you know, if not winning, like we've been dominating the last three games in part due to those really, really crazy numbers. But if those come down, we're still winning those games. We're still playing 
much better basketball. We're playing winning basketball finally. So even, even as this all tends to smooth out over the course of the year, I, I expect this uh, to at least be a, you know, a trend, a step in the right direction kind of thing. Quick question for you. Uh, Alperin Shangoon, you mentioned him averaging 18.2 points, 8.5 rebounds, seven assists. Do you think he could be an all-star as soon as this year? Is that possible? I think he'll be in contention for it. I think the names ahead of him are just too exciting. I think if we're winning a ton of games, I think he'll get some kind of respect. It's just hard. The West is absurdly loaded uh, in you know both the front court and the back court. Victor Wembanyama probably going to make an all-star team just because of his defense. Uh, I could see Chet being on that list of guys. You know, he's averaging, what, 18 on nearly 80% true shooting while being an, an elite defensive anchor. He's, I could see Shangun being deserving of an all-star spot and just, well, the West has 13 good teams and we don't really have room for one guy from every team that's solid. No matter how good the numbers are, especially if he's not up over 20 points per game, uh, you know, as much as that's unfair to him because of how well he's played and how efficient he's been, uh, you got to have some kind of like flashy, showy something to to give you a little bit of an edge over the Jaron Jackson Juniors and the, you know, Chets and Wembys and Anthony Davises and all these kinds of guys in the front court. Yeah, you said it. I mean, I think that's going to be the problem is the log jam because, you know, Jokic is getting in. He's the best player in the NBA. And then as far as other guys, Anthony Davis, he's got a great reputation, but his health could play a role. So that might eliminate him. But even if that eliminates him, you talk about Wembenyana. It's not going to be that you're worried about Wembenyana maybe making it ahead of him by, you know, the co- coaches and players and, who you know, the other votes. But it's going to be a fan vote. It, I, I think Wemby's going to get in on a fan vote, you know, over somebody like Jokic even because, you know, Wemby, p- people are going to want to see him in the All-Star game. And then you mentioned Chet. Chet Holmgren, you know, he's had a fantastic start to his rookie year. His numbers are great. The other part about that, Cooper, is that, you know, it's between if it's between Shingun and Chet, it's who's got the better record. And, you know, they they should have a better record than the Rockets, you would assume, going into the All-Star game. As good as we've been, we don't have a top 15 player, you know, 15-20 like they do. Uh, Shea's looked a little slow. You know, the giddy minutes have looked really bad for OKC. But, I mean, that team is just so talented up and down the roster. Not very many vets, a lot of one-way players. But at the end of the day, when you have such a strong top five, like especially with a top, you know, 15-ish player, it's it's really hard <laughs> to not win games unless you get injured. And if Shea does get hurt and... You know, they continue to play these guys like Usman Jang, Trey Mann, who just are not like Poku, who are not ready to win, even Giddy right now. I, I could see their record going down a little bit more than we think. Uh, and, you know, maybe Shingun slipping in there. But the the defensive edge for Chet, I think, is going to give him, you know, in the minds of coaches, like, oh, he's anchoring this defense basically all on his own. You know, he's so skilled, like a two-way like true dominant two-way threat. And I, I, I think unless he gets hurt or that OKC team just is really, really bad, I, I think he's going to make the all-star team as well. He's been so, so valuable for them. And it, it, it's hard to deny him that, especially as a rookie. Yeah, the thing with Shangun is he's going to be more of the assist guy. He's going to be more setting up the offense. Whereas, you know, Chet 
will have a definite advantage on defense, even though Shangun's played some really good defense because there's just going to be the counting numbers, block shots, things like that. It, that's going to help him a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's un, unreal what we've seen from Shangun defensively so far. You know, while we're talking about long shots, you talk about <laughs> Shangun all-star and all that. Do you believe the Rockets could compete for a play-in spot? And I, I just want everybody to keep in mind, they need to be above five teams out West Cooper. But I ask this because I've noticed a couple early surprises. The Grizzlies, they're in serious trouble. And worth noting, the Rockets have three games with Memphis before Ja Morant returns. So that will help the Rockets quite a bit if, if they can take advantage of that. The Suns could slip if they don't get healthy fast because we've seen, you know, this team is not that good outside of the, the top three guys. And you know, they're beatable on any given night. The Spurs beat them twice in a row. So, you know, who knows? And then you have the Jazz, Blazers, and uh, Spurs. You know, the other three teams that you would figure would struggle and, and potentially worse than the Rockets. Spurs may be the big question mark there, but it doesn't seem like Pop's trying to win. So like I said, Cooper, you got to be better than five teams, and there's potentially five right there. What do you think? Is it realistic at all? I think we'll be in the race. At the very least, like until the deadline ish, you know, like uh, February, March, I think we'll be competing every single night. And that's going to give us a step up on the Blazers who, you know, DeAndre Ayton is either like unstoppable or the worst player in the game, you know, and at, at any given moment, you know, there's all these guys in teams whose effort wanes, their schemes don't really make sense. Their guys are getting hurt all the time. But I think that that defensive effort, and, you know, just Shengun being Shengun, you have some great offensive, you have a great offensive base of just ball movement, decent shots, you know, good looks for the team. I could see us being like the 11-12 seed and being a few games out of the 10 spot. I could see us like eking into the 10 spot because we get lucky and we're a little healthier than everyone else. You know, if the the Pelicans get any more hurt, they could be a dropper. Uh, I mean, you you never know with these teams. Lose one or two guys that are super key. and well, the West looks completely different than it did two weeks ago. That's just what happens when everyone's this hyper-competitive. And, you know, you could win or lose every given game on, on any given night, and that's especially true, uh, you know, when no team in the West is, like, super tanking. Even the Blazers have, you know, Jeremy Grant and, you know, all these win-now-ish players like Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, other shooters, you know, Jabari Walker, these kinds of guys. Uh, the Spurs can beat the Suns, you know, twice in a row. It's just such a crap fest. You know, <laughs> who's going to win what game? How, who's looking good on what night? If the Kings can't get healthy, if they don't get Fox back, is this a competitive roster even? Is Sabonis plus a bunch of shooters who can't defend, is that a competitive roster without, you know, your top 25 player? I, you know, that's a very real question. Are they solvable? You know, if you can put the right guys in the right spots. Uh, yeah, the, the, you lose your number one player and any team's going to struggle. I, I I assume he's he's okay. He, they, they talked he would potentially be back for the Rocket Series. So, you know, it, it can't be that bad. Yeah, I, I just, you know, with something like that and those mega athletic guards, you never know what's going to happen. And that's just more to be like, well, you, you never know what's going to happen to any of these teams. Like what if Jock comes back and it takes him another 15 games to play his way into shape? then the Grizzlies are actually screwed, like 100% done. If they play 40 games of bad basketball, you are not making the play-in in the West. It's 
just the reality of the situation. So I, I think there's a shot we can make the play in. I think the highest we could get is like, you know, nine seed, maybe if, if things really break our way. But it'll also depend on, you know, what moves are made going into the trade deadline, uh, how healthy we're able to be. Atari can get back, what this team looks like then. There's still a lot of stuff up in the air, but I'm really excited. You know, even if we don't make the plan, if we can just compete for most of the year, this season's a huge success. I was talking with Frank last week, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We were talking about Jalen's ceiling, and from what we've seen so far, is he still got the capability of being... You know, at some point we talked about, oh, we hope he was going to be a top 10 player, all-star. You know, I I question that, especially from what I've seen from him so far. Now, he's he's playing better last couple of, since me and Frank had that discussion, he's definitely playing better. But yeah, there's still a lot of question marks for me based on not just what I've seen from him on the court, but, you know, just, I, I wonder if he's got that dog in him to really want it that bad as far as like hey give me the ball big situations uh and 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 want to do all the little things that he's going to need to do to clean up his game you know we'll see what odoka can do but what do you think what do you think can he can he be a all-star can he be a top 10 guy still be a top 10 guy i i don't know if i was ever there with Jalen. like it like i really think he could be like this top 10 like alpha scorer guy I think he can be an elite scorer. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best shooting and finishing prospects of the last, you know, 10 years, basically. Uh, if he's Zach Levine, who actually plays basketball the right way, that's a top 20 player, right? And I, I think that's kind of what I'm seeing for him right now. Uh, as much as the shooting has kind of sucked, and, like, obviously, you know, he's at, like, what, 53 true shooting, uh, he had that really bad game against the Kings a few nights ago where he just could not score against anyone. And then last night he's like, well, screw it. I'm scoring this game and I am taking over. And he looked unstoppable, right? Um, he's just weird at this point, like when he decides to do what. But the one constant so far this season has been his effort on the defensive end. Like obviously there's plays where he gets knocked out of the play or he loses track of his guy. But he looks like a guy who spent the last, you know, five years of playing basketball where he didn't have to play real defense because let's, let's face it, he didn't. If he didn't make the right rotation under Silas, which he never did, there was no, there was nothing wrong with that. He could do whatever he wanted, right? And then Ime comes in. It looks like he's learning how to play defense for the first time. And he's been pretty good, right? Like he, he's really good at executing. This is what I'm supposed to do within the scheme. I'm showing you that, like, I can dig here. But then he does the little thing of, oh, I took my eyes off my man for half a second too long. He still hasn't figured out the timings, the, you know, the rotations after the play breaks down. He hasn't figured out all the little stuff yet. But that comes with reps. That's why they're keeping him out there even when he can't score because he's got to learn this stuff at some point. And he's picking it up really quickly. For someone who, you know, is uh, compared to a lot of these guys, is newer to basketball. You know, he, he really committed later. Uh, in, in his life to just playing basketball. And like the G League didn't teach him how to play defensive, like, you know, make defensive rotations. Uh, Silas didn't teach him how to make defensive rotations. Playing it, you know, whatever uh, prolific prep didn't teach him how to make defensive rotations. He just looks like someone who's brand new to it and he's trying really hard. Uh, and that's all that I can ask of him after the shit show 
that he's been in the last few years. Uh, the playmaking, like I talked about, uh, you know, with the first question, has looked better. It's still not good. He misses a lot of more advanced reads, but he is consistently still drawing, you know, gra- he's, he's a gravity well. Guys are still treating him like he's an elite scoring threat because he can get to the line whenever he wants. If you don't double him, he's going to get a blow by. You know, he, he has all the tools. It's just been such a shit show <laughs> for the last few years that he needs to iron it out. Yeah, one one of the guys that we mentioned was Devin Booker. Like, if that's, I, I think we mentioned him, but that's a guy that, you know, people say, okay, you know, that that's what you would aim for, for somebody like him. Okay, let's let's be a Devin Booker. The problem is Devin Booker was an elite shooter right off the bat. I don't know if Jalen's an elite shooter, but, you know, the, the, the space for him to get to Devin Booker is really on the defensive end. And can he do that? Because Devin Booker as a shooter was where he was, and he's added the assist. Devin Booker's now playing some point guard for that team. He's got to play point guard for them, and he's not been too bad at it. So, you know, is that something that's realistic for him? Devin Booker is like a, at this point, he's like a backup point guard level playmaker where he can make basic reads. But it's basically just, I'm such a good shooter, and you have to treat me like I can hit from anywhere because I can that I can make the right read out of all this stuff. He's gotten yeah. better at, at the pick and roll passing, which is one of the easiest, you know, passes to, to develop from. I've, I've talked to a few guys who have, who have talked about that before. And we've already seen Jalen. That's been his biggest area of development is like pocket passes, hitting guys on the interior, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. That's been his biggest area of growth as a passer. You know, if he can just continue to like draw two to the ball, draw the help defender and then keep his eye, keep his head on a swivel, make the correct kick out. He's going to be at that Devin Booker level of passing. I don't know if he'll ever be that level of shooter, but he's so much more athletic, you know, at, at least in a traditional sense, like as a run and jump guy, he doesn't have that same level of balance or, you know, hand eye coordination or anything, but he has different strengths that allow him to, you know, create advantages in other ways. And I, I, th- yeah. I think if he can really learn to leverage those, make the easy passes, he could hit that level of Devin Booker. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, Devin Booker is a, you know, top 10 guy, whereas Zach Levine, because all he really is is a score, that's that's not what you want from Jalen if you want him to get to that level of, hey, can he carry you to a championship or can he at least be a maybe a number one on a championship? That that would be the goal is maybe Devin, maybe a Devin Booker with a, with a good cast around him. I think Zach Levine is a lot more talented. And that's why I am more okay with him. I, I think Zach Levine's also a better like skill type comp because they're both just such raw athletes coming in. But I, I think if you, you put Zach on a team that's actually capable of development and not the Bulls in you know early 2010s or mid-2010s Timberwolves, he's a much better player right now and closer to Devin Booker than he is to where he is right now. I, right now he's like a top 40 player. I think he's closer to top 20 if he's developed by a real organization that actually cares about, hey, you need to make these defensive rotations. Hey, you need to make these passes and not just you, go you shoot whatever the hell you want. You're saying Jalen's top 40 now? No, no, no. Zach Levine. I Jalen Jalen's yeah. good, but he's uh he's, yeah, he's yeah. not there. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Um well let me ask you uh what's going on over at uh Upside Swings, Rocket Shop Show. Anything new over with you guys? Just uh plug away a little bit. We're in a uh, in a little bit of a break with with upside swings uh, with the season just starting, but I mean, 
both of us have a lot of work going on. I'm working for, uh, you know, next up basketball consulting and my friend's doing assistant coaching. So we're both a little slammed at the moment, uh, you know, waiting for things to cool down a little bit during winter break to hop back into that. But Chop Shop's doing its usual, chugging the ride along. Frank and Space are two of the hardest working dudes <laughs> I've ever met in my life. They just pump out content continuously. They're incredible. At the moment, I'm mostly just clipping games. If you want to see, like I, I talk a lot about the the Rockets defense and, you know, some of the more fun offensive, like I'm not calling out play sets or anything here, but what I see in all these games and, and little clips to go along with all that. That's the main thing I'm doing right now, other than, you know, doing work, hopping on the occasional pod. So uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. This was a, a great conversation as always. Praying Amin can get healthy, praying Tari looks good when he's healthy, because uh, I, I think Tari plus that starting lineup is is going to be dominant. Like, if, if he comes back healthy and is hitting 34% of his threes, I may have to go back and, you know, change my mind about all that play and talk. We might be a playoff team. So just uh, swap, keep, keep swap, that uh, swap the Tari uh, in the lineup with Jock Landau, and what a difference that would make. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, get some uh, get some real defense in that starting lineup. Put Jabari on the bench where he can uh, post up to his heart's desire. I don't know. I don't know. There's some fun that, to be had there. Uh, some it's going to be some tough decision making for Ime. Do you want to go with Jabari uh, with all the defensive mishaps he's been having, uh, or do you want to want to go with Tari? A little bit less shooting, but you're getting you know two of the best perimeter defenders in the league with him and, and Dylan Brooks out there as much as you can. So it's, I don't envy Ime and the decisions he has to make, but I'm excited well, to watch it all unfold. Yeah. I don't think it's a hard decision right now though. I think you just swap Landell's minutes with Tari's minutes and you could probably add a, add a little bit of Jeff Green's minutes into Tari as well, because I think this team's going to be successful when, when Tari is getting up there around at least around 25 to 30, maybe even more minutes of like, you know, and I, I, I love this. I mean, you can't complain with the starting lineup. You look at the numbers. So, you know, keeping Tari in that roll off the bench and just causing havoc and what he did last year, I think is perfect for him. I, I think the rebounding bump, because like you talked about at the beginning, you know, that rebounding has kind of been the one thing that we've kind of been missing. And I think there's I think there's a real world where Ime looks at it and he's like, well, you know, Tari's the cleanup guy. He helps Shengun on defense way more. He covers up on the boards when Shingun's out, you know, in the hedge. Uh, and it gives Jabari more of a chance to be the, the offensive focal point. I think that would be that could be something that we see happen. Obviously, we'll see how Tari comes back for the moment, you know, while he's only able to play 15, 20 minutes a game. Don't need to try anything crazy. Don't need to disrupt the flow that we got going. But I think it could be something that we see if Jabari's defense doesn't improve or the shot making isn't as real as as it's you know he showed it to be so far yeah I, I can't wait to see what these guys look in the lineup again thanks so much for doing this it's always fun having you on we'll, we'll talk to you soon man you're listening to houston sports talk hey don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on youtube you can always listen to us on spotify apple or your favorite podcast app tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.